So I want you to open up your Bible. We're going to get into the teaching of the word this morning. Of course, we've done lots of other stuff, so this will be a little bit abbreviated. A little bit abbreviated. But I want you to turn to the passage of Scripture that we've been looking at the past couple of weeks. And that's 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're in the middle of a series called uh, Faith is a Verb. Faith is a verb. Faith is an act. Faith is something that we, we do. We've looked at the importance of faith. Faith is how we access the grace of God. Everybody loves grace. The, well, the way you access it is with faith. Faith is how we overcome. We all want to be overcomers. Faith is how we please God, according to Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. The Bible says that we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. So faith is an engine. And, and, and all engines, they require uh, things to go into that engine for it to work. The engine in your car, it needs spark, it needs air, it needs fuel, it needs a way to cool it. So engines require certain things for them to run. And then, how many of y'all know you can soup them up? How many of y'all ever put like a K&N filter or a supercharger? Anybody got a supercharger on their car right now? You do? Check you out. I'll meet you at the red light. Just kidding. Just kidding. I would lose. I don't have a supercharger. But you can put all this stuff onto an engine to hype that thing up and to make it what would be considered a high-performance engine. I mean, I know not all cars have high-performance engines. I mean, I'm not going to go there. I was, about to, I, was about to bust, I was about to say a particular model of car, and I didn't want you to be like, hey, I have that car. But not all cars have high-performance engines. High-performance engines, they run on different fuel. They run on a little higher octane. If you've ever bought a car like that, you go to the pump. It's going to cost you a little bit more at the pump, but you get more out of the engine. How many of y'all know that if you have faith, if you have faith that runs like a high-performance engine, it may cost you a little bit more. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? It may cost you a little bit more. Instead of only reading your Bible on Sunday, if you read it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, how many of y'all know it may cost you a little bit more, but that engine starts turning in, it runs at higher RPMs, right? And it can blow through some situations instead of getting bogged down. Right, running on flat tires. So, so faith is that engine. So Peter said that we need to add seven things to our faith. And we've, we've examined some of those seven. Somebody throw one at me. What's one of them we did? What knowledge. Thank you, thank you. What's another one? Added love last week. He said add love, add knowledge, add, what's another one? Huh? Perseverance, don't quit, add this to your faith. So I want to look at a different one today, and I'm just going to scratch the surface, and this is going to kind of open up another uh, series that we're, we're going to be getting into the next couple of, of weeks. But I want to read this in 1 Peter chapter 1, or 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life. I'm going to read that again. His divine power has given us everything you need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises. 
so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. How many of y'all know God's, God's inviting you to participate in his nature? I'm going to let that sink in there for you. All of his power, all of his grace, all of his goodness, all of his mercy. He says you can participate in that nature. It's yours for the taking. I've created a banquet for you to pull up a chair in everything you need for this life and for godliness. My nature is here for the taking for you. And he says, so that through them you can participate in this divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world by, ease, by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Here's your seven. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities... In increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Great verse. What I want you to see with that part right there is, is an increasing measure. In other words, if you're here, you say, I don't know nothing. How many of y'all know that's a good place to be? That's not a bad place to be because you can grow in not knowing nothing. I love people that show up at church and don't know nothing. Because from there, there is an increasing measure that's available for you. You can grow in your knowledge, grow in your understanding, grow in your love, grow in your self-control. And as you do, your nature turns into his nature. What you want becomes his wants. His desires become your desires and your desires become his desires. One of my favorite quotes of all time was a quote by a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. And he said, if you have desires towards God, you'll have desires from God. And whenever I was coming out of living just like an idiot, just living just like, uh, just doing all kinds of horrible stuff, right? Doing drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. Uh, and whenever I came out of that lifestyle, that, that was one of the quotes that really helped carry me. Because whenever I was coming out of it, I, I, I kind of missed my old life. How many of you ever experienced that? Don't shake your hand. People think that you're a sinner or something. Just, yeah, we, don't, we don't want people to judge you or anything. But there were times whenever I was coming out of that and I knew I had to come out of it or I wasn't going to make it. I would be dead. That things were not going to go well with me. But I miss some of my old, my old friends. And I miss some of, I miss kind of the club. I miss some of that stuff. I, I missed it. But that quote said, if you'll desire towards God, you'll have desires from God. So I would just say, God, I desire you. God, I desire you. God, I want to be, I want to be different. I want to make changes. God, I want, to, I want to go forward. I want to live. God, I want... And as I desired towards him, his desires became my new desires. He changed my desires to where there was no longer hooks in me to go out and do whatever, right? There just... I didn't want to, you know, that, that, that desire was gone. He gave me those new desires. So if you're here, you say, I'm ignorant. I don't know nothing. Listen, you can grow in this... In this knowledge. And it will keep you from being unproductive. In your knowledge of the Lord. But whoever does not have them. Is nearsighted and blind. And that's the kind of the, 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 the premise. For the next couple of weeks. Is he says. Whoever doesn't have this. It's going to affect your vision. It's going to affect the way you see things. And, and you'll start off just being nearsighted. But if you don't deal with it. It'll make you completely blind. But whoever has, does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Now, uh, how many of y'all wear contacts or glasses? Anybody in here? Lots of y'all wear, 
wear contacts glasses. I actually watched the science thing on the science channel a couple days ago that said that we are in the middle of an epidemic of nearsightedness. But the whole thing about the show was how do you have an epidemic of nearsightedness whenever that's not something that you can track and it's not hereditary? How can you have an epidemic of nearsightedness? But they said 60% of Americans are now nearsighted and 90% of Japanese is nearsighted. That's a crazy statistic. And they said 30 years ago it wasn't the case. So they're trying to figure out what's with all the nearsightedness. And they finally have got it figured out that, that it's that people don't get enough sunlight. That they're staying inside now and it shortens your eyeball. They're giving all the science of it. But people just aren't outside as much as they once were. And I can kind of relate to that. How many of y'all grew up outside? I kind of grew up outside. How many of y'all know kids aren't outside as much these days? I grew up, right, with, with just shorts on. How many of y'all remember that? Tan, little tan kid belly. How many of y'all like those little tan kid bellies? Tan, tan legs, but if you see them naked, they ain't got no clothes on. They're just, just white, boy. They're just so white. How many of y'all grew up like that? Swimming in the lake, right? Running around barefooted on your scooter, playing backyard football, tackling people. Just having, just having a grand old time. Well, they say now, you say everybody's getting nearsighted. And nearsighted just means you don't see things far off very clear. And growing up, I was nearsighted. Uh, in sixth grade, I started wearing glasses. First class, I had these little blue framed glasses. And uh, then I kind of got picked on a little bit, maybe bullied a little bit because they weren't cool or whatever. So then in about seventh or eighth, I went to contacts. Anybody wear contacts? Oh, jeez. And uh, anybody wear contacts? Raise your hand. I want to see. Lots of y'all wear contacts. Y'all got to get that LASIK, y'all. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying you got to get that LASIK because I wore contacts all the way up until the day I turned 21. And within a week of turning 21, I went and got the surgery because whenever I wore contacts, I would, if I blinked, they would come out. So then I would have to wear the contact in my mouth. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. If you wear contacts, surely you're putting it in your mouth before and carried it around for a couple hours. None of y'all? Well, if it falls out, what do you do with it? If you set it down, it dries up. Put it back in in a case. Boys don't carry cases, y'all. We, we carry mouths. That's what we guys like. Man, I ain't got no case. This thing's going in my mouth. So I would have to wear it in my mouth until I could get a break in class or something. Because some people, they put it in without a mirror. I can't do that. Like, I want to see my eyeball. That way I don't do something bad here. So I would wear it in my mouth. And then once I got to the bathroom, I would put the contact in. Then I would blink it out. And it was just miserable. And if you don't, if you don't have your contacts in, how many of y'all do this? I mean, I've seen people doing this. You're like, what are they doing? What's wrong with them? They can't see. That's what's going on. My, my daughter right now, she has art. She sits on the couch. And she's, she says, I need glasses. I say, yeah, you do, baby, because you're squinting. But nearsighted just means you can't see far off. So I went and got that surgery. And if you've ever know anything about LASIK, in about 10 minutes, they fix all those problems. It's beautiful. It's so wonderful. You lay on that bed and they, they, they open your eye, which I know it sounds bad, but uh, they slice your eye and they flap it over I'm just telling you read watch the YouTube that's what they do and they just open it up and then they take a laser and they burn uh, the rough part of your lenses and it goes am I selling it well listen (laughs) on the side I work for Dr. John just kidding but then they, they, close, they flap that thing back over and they put a few drops in there. And it's amazing because within literally 10 minutes of laying down, you sit up 
and the whole world has come into high def. I mean, it's just like, it's like, man, for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, my mom was on mercy ships and people would come in that had these hardcore cataracts that had been blind for 20 or 30 years. And within 30 minutes, they cut those things off of those eyes. And then you can watch the videos and we've showed some of them in here. Those people walk off of that gangplank after being blind for years in just a, just a 20 minute procedure, take those cataracts off and they dance off that boat, baby. They just dance. I once was blind, but now I can see. It's crazy. It's amazing. So I sat up from that and the whole world was in high def. I was no longer nearsighted. Now I actually had 2010. 2020 is the best, but I had 2010. I was like a falcon. It's just like, just like an eagle. It's just like, ah, ah, go catch a prey running through a field or something. Man, I felt like, Man, this is spectacular. But they tell you after about a month, you go back down to 2020. And that's been probably 15 years ago. But it all happened with nearsight. And he says here, he says, he says, if you don't deal with this nearsightedness, it'll turn into, like the mercy ship people, that it'll get so bad that you become blind. So the word that I want to look at, and I've only got, you know, just a few minutes. So this is just a really going to move us into the next couple of weeks. The Lord wanted me to uh, share with you guys about vision and about bringing things back into focus because many times we don't see things out there we just see things right here how many ever been talking to somebody that does this how many ever been around your kids like this how many y'all drive like this i've seen you i've seen you i've seen you how many y'all done i've done it I've done it. You drive like this because you don't want the people beside you to see you. Like, I'll fake them out. I'll fake them out right here. I would do it like this. And, and, but we, we've gotten accustomed to, we don't see anything else. We're really nearsighted. This is where we've lived. So we're going to talk about technology and going to talk about uh, some of the dark side of technology and talk about vision and seeing things correctly. And this is going to fall under self-control. Just like with love, I told you, man, there's a thousand messages I could teach on love last week, but the Lord wanted me to teach on empathy. Well, with self-control, I mean, come on. How many of y'all know we're all trying to control something? I'm trying to control my weight. Can I get an amen? Amen. Trying to control my kids. Trying to control my wife. Just kidding. Don't tell her I said that. Don't tell her I said that. Trying to control my emotions. Trying to control my finances. We understand self-control. And I could preach for the rest of the year on this subject. But the Lord really uh, prompted me in my heart to talk about vision and order. And talk about really focusing on something specific and on what you can see. Three times in your Bible, there's these words that say, lift up your eyes. Three times. Jesus said three different things. He says, lift up your eyes. How many of y'all know that we could use some people to lift up their eyes in 2017? Why? Because, man, we're living. We're living on these things right here. This is like my third child. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. I got two kids, but this is almost like a third one. Why do I say that? Because if you lose it, how many ever lost this thing? It's like the world stops turning. It's like, where is my phone? Where is my phone? Where You will go to great lengths. Come on, don't lie. I'm looking at you. I know what these things are to you. I know. I, 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 uh, I recently, well, I've lost them a bunch. Uh, but I, I left one. Uh, we, we were filling up gas at, in, in Lafayette. 
And uh, we got to Jennings and I realized I can't find my phone. I lost my phone. I lost my phone. How many of y'all think we went back to Lafayette? <laughs> Cut across the median. Where are we going? Back to the gas station. And we're looking. We're looking. I'm walking down Ambassador Caffrey with my wife's light on. Looking in the middle of the, the, the road for what? For this, baby. I got to have this right here. This has my games on it. Just kidding. <laughs> this, has, this has what? It has everything on it. And, you know, I found it laying in the middle of the road of Ambassador Caffrey. It had been run over by about nine times. But I... My wife pulled over, I picked it up, I got it, and I'm in the middle of the road, and I pushed the button. How many of you ever done that before? You're like, this is the moment of truth, y'all. This is the moment of truth. It's the vape. What are we going to do here? Come on. And I pushed it, and it came on, and it was just like, oh. like come on, you know you've been there. We've all been there. We've all dropped our phone and thought, is it, if, what, what, is it broken? What, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you pick up the baby and you're like, oh, you're all busted up, baby. But you turn on. I got my SIM card. I'm, I, can, I can work with this. I can work with this. And then you break into praise of Jesus. I was just like, I remember I was like, that's a miracle of God that we found this in the middle of the road on Ambassador Cavern. It was wonderful wonderful that we found it we just like ah and as funny as that is it's sad but true sad but true and yet we find in scripture Jesus always saying lift up look up lift up your eyes lift up look up Look up, look up, because distraction, this thing right here, it, 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 it can hurt you. The, the, other, the other verse I want to give you, and then I'm going to give you some things about, about this school year real quick. is Jesus said in Luke chapter 21. He says, be always on the watch. On the watch. And pray so that you may be able to escape. All that is about to happen. What a great verse. Jesus here, he tells us, he says, in order for you to escape certain things, you got to see certain things. And if you aren't looking appropriately, things happen to you and then you wonder why they happen. Or at, at worst than that, you blame God for them happening. And yet here he says, he says, you need to watch and pray so that the things that, that could happen, they won't happen to you. In, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, he says, I'm praying for the eyes of your understanding to be flooded with light. What's Paul praying for? What's Jesus saying? What's all this about our eyes, about our vision? Because he says, he says, what you see, it determines your direction. And you really have to have self-control in this area. I know we're trying, you could have self-control in a lot of areas, but I want to look at this. But specifically for today, I want to give you a couple things about what to watch out for for your kids. And if you don't have kids here, then just uh, be patient with me. But this year, I believe the Lord wants your kids and my kids to have the best school year that they've ever had. But if our heads are stuck in our phone or stuck in, a, in, in, in our jobs, we'll miss some things and some bad things can happen because we aren't watching we aren't watching. We aren't praying. And God wants you to see some things. So there's a, there's a note section in your, in your uh, worship guide. You can jot a couple of these things down. Just things to watch for. Uh, first thing is, is, is see your kid's future. If you're like me, my, my house can be chaotic. 
and we're really worrying about the now, right? Did you, oh, we got, we got soccer practice today. We got this, we got that. You got the kids. Where are the kids? You lost the kids. I didn't lose the kids. You lost the kids. Did you pack the lunch? I didn't pack a lunch. I thought you packed the lunch. How many of us have been there before? Yeah, that, that, that happens, right? But we can get really, really nearsighted with today and really forget about, we can't see five years from now, what kind of husband is Noble Burns going to be. It's going to be determined on what he sees today. What kind of work ethic is he going to have 10 years from now? It's going to be determined by what he sees at the house today. How does he speak? What kind of words? What kind of attitude? How does he treat women? And the same thing with Ansley. Five years from now, she's going to be a teenager. 10 years from now, you know, 10 summers. I don't even have 10 summers with Noble now. You know, maybe eight summers left and then he's off to college. So don't just see today, but, but see their future. See their friends Man, I see a lot of times people that they just let their, let their kids hang out with whoever. See, see their friends' parents. I mean, I know you need to meet your friends, your kids' friends' parents. Hi, what's your name? My name's Kevin. Are you weird? <laughs> you a psycho? You a, what, 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 what's up with you? Let, let's me and you get coffee before my kids hang out with your kids. And you can't let your kids hang out with everybody they want to hang out with. There's some kids, I'm not even going to go there. But... And I'll just say this, it's not all church, it's, it can be church kids. How many of y'all know not all church kids are right? Think, well, we go to church together. That means very little. It can't, can't be that. So you need to see your kids, see their future, see their strengths, see their weaknesses. Some kids aren't, aren't athletic. Some kids aren't, are strong in math, but they may not be strong. But what happens is kids, if you don't see their weaknesses, then, then they get self-conscious. And how many of y'all know kids won't always tell you? They just start cutting themselves and you can't figure out, well, what's going on? You better watch and pray. And you have two sets of eyes. You have eyes in your head and you have the eyes of your heart. And what you can't see up here, the Holy Spirit will show you down here. And I've shared this before a couple years ago. I started seeing some things in Noble. And uh, the Lord just said, you need to fast about that. So for three days, I didn't eat. And I said, I don't want these character problems that I'm seeing in him to affect the rest of his future. And I knew that they would because they were my own character problems, right? He got them from me. I mean, I know our kids get stuff from us. So I said, all right, I'm not eating until I feel like that I've taken care of this thing. Watch and pray. See their weaknesses. See their friends. See their technology. I mean, I know it's okay for you to look at their phone. You do what you want, but I'm paying the bill. So if I'm paying for it, I'm looking at it. And open your door. Don't lock the door. That's a whole nother message. But that's up to you. But I'm just telling you, you need to watch and pray. Monitor rejection. So many kids getting bullied and stuff that's happening. That nine-year-old just killed herself a couple weeks ago. How does a nine-year-old, because they're getting bullied at school. Parents just not aware. 11-year-olds hanging themselves. I don't know about you, but whenever I was 11, that just didn't happen. I didn't see that on the news. Am I stupid or something? Did I miss something? Because whenever I was 11, you just didn't see the type of carnage that you're seeing now in, in, in what's happening in kids. And a lot of it, I think we just, we're, we're just looking in the wrong places. And I don't want that. I can tell you my heart for you for this year, for your kids, is for us to look up. Look up and watch. See what's going on so, so, that, we can, so that we can help it and we, we can prevent it. So monitor their technology. Monitor their, their rejection. Meet their parents. And then the last thing is, is develop a routine. 
Develop a routine. Some type of routine this school year will really help you. We started one about three years ago at my house where we do family night. Family night is Friday night at our house. Every Friday, nothing messes up with our family night. Usually, you know, four out of five nights, we're doing something. Well, I say, you want to go putt-putt? You want to go trampoline? You want to go do this? You want to go do that? Friday nights, we have a, a morning routine where we say scriptures. And it's on the way to, to school. And listen, mor- mornings may not work for you because you work in the plants or something like that. But on the way to school, while we're driving I go scriptures that's how I say it and then Noble in the back seat he said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me Philippians this is the day that the Lord has made I'll rejoice and be glad in it by Jesus stripes I am healed we have about 20 scriptures that by the time we get to school they just go back and forth saying these scriptures so just some type of routine and I know most people don't sit down for breakfast is anybody in here sit down if you're not retired if you're retired you might but most people don't sit down with their kids in the morning for breakfast. It's difficult. Try to do it in the evening. Try to set up, say, this year is going to be different. This year, we're going to have a family night. This year, we're going to eat dinner together at least three nights a week. This year, in the evenings, me and my wife, we go up to tell the kids goodnight and spend about 15 minutes with them and just say, hey, this is what's going on. How's your day? And just listen to them. And they'll talk. You say, my teenager don't talk. If you'll go up there every stinking night and lay in their bed for 15 minutes, I guarantee you within 60 days, they'll start talking to you. They may not do it the first 30 days, but eventually they may say, can you leave? But eventually (laughs) they're going to say something you can get through to them. This can be a year that you can watch and pray. Lift up your eyes. God wants us to see. He wants to see what's going on.